Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. All right, so here we are, and quite honestly, I'm not 100% certain that anybody can hear me or that anybody will be able to hear me. I may just be doing this 
for my own benefit, which actually 99% of the time is really the reason I get behind this microphone in the first place. Opportunity to get some of these stressful things off my chest, get to talk about some stuff, and occasionally have some interesting guests come on and have them talk about some of the things that are bugging me. Uh, but in the meanwhile... Uh, yeah, this, these tech issues are continuing here at BTR. Uh, the audio has yet to be processed from the Friday Night Live show. Uh, according to my statistical numbers from Friday night, I had exactly four listens, which meant there were four people who called in to listen to the show. Uh, chat room is still not da- uh, still down, as I may have mentioned. And... Uh, at this point, uh, I did not and was not able to see the people who had called in to listen on the switchboard. The only numbers I evidently can see are the ones that I call out to. However, uh, how much longer till that's an issue? Now, I've said before, I, I know that uh, BTR is working on these issues. It has been site-wide, but it is getting to the point where it's beyond ridiculous. Wednesday night, everything seemed to be fixed and fine. Now we're back to issues popping up in this whole new issue of not being able to process the audio and i got to looking around some of the other shows that i normally follow and watch mine's not the only show that that's happened to either shows that i know happened since friday uh, both friday and saturday shows in fact i didn't even get um the usual notifications for several of the, of the uh, saturday shows uh, so for the love of Pete, what's going on here, BTR? Uh, for all I know, though, it may be uh, the fine folks at Spreaker uh, trying to push those of us here on over to their format so they can dump the secondary. But it's stupid of them because a lot of them uh, are folks like myself uh, where we are literally uh, paying money to both, <laughs> essentially lining their pockets twice in order to get access to their services. So. At any rate, uh, I see somebody has called in, so I am able to see the switchboard, at least for now, but this has been an on-and-off issue. Like I said, for Friday night, uh, did did not see anyone on the switchboard, but clearly it took uh, being on the phone lines to be able to hear the audio, uh, and there is still no real, uh, no real chat room uh, to speak of. Uh, I believe this is Chief, uh, based on the... Uh, Based on the area code, they've raised their hand, so I'm going to take a risk here and go ahead and answer the line. Uh, hello, caller. Ah, uh, hello, Tim. I I was uh, listening to you. I just wanted to let you know that your live stream is working. I well, I have you on the live stream. Uh, obviously, I have you here also, and I will tell you and other people. It may be a little difficult for you, but if you can open up your show page in another window, there is a comment section, sort of like what you have on Spreaker. Um, if you you can throw in comments there, people who are listening live can uh, can uh, you know make comments, let you know they're there. They I'll just write uh, you know like if I can get this in here. Just, I'll just write like, okay, I'm here. And, okay. 
and I can post that in your chat room, or not in your chat room, but it should show up on your uh, in your comments on your show page. So I'm just letting you know that something is working. Okay, that's all. That's why I called. <laughs> All right, Chief, I do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it, it is getting kind of frustrating, though, uh, after everything yeah. seemed to be fixed and then these new issues popped up. Uh, but I certainly appreciate you calling and letting me know. Uh, and I will uh, I will uh, slide you back over to mute for the moment. But thank you so much, Chief. No problem. All right, so uh, that, of course, is Chief, uh, host of Simple Facts of Life, but can be found right here on uh, blogtalkradio.com if you are so inclined to check it out. And I would heavily encourage you to do so. Uh, Not only is he the helpful sort, as you just heard, uh, does a very, very good show as well. Uh, 30-minute time frame once a week. He spends uh, time pondering uh, exactly what it is he wants to say. He uses some current... Uh, news stories to reiterate his points, but they are, as the show would uh, would indicate, just a few simple facts of life. All right. Um, I suppose we should probably jump right in. I never did hear back from Ron uh, about showing up this week, and I'm not sure uh, if there is something ongoing there. Uh, the, the lines of communications are normally a little better than that. Uh, He's usually very responsive, so I'm assuming that he's uh, extremely busy <laughs> because that's usually the case. Uh, and uh, you know, we did have, again, some technical issues that kept him from uh, coming on on time. Last time we had to do the reschedule bit because evidently he had called in, and I wasn't able to see him in the switchboard until well after he was here, and uh, it's – and that also is kind of an oddity because the switchboards are usually pretty reliable when everything else is kind of flighty. But, uh, you know, still, it's just been some crazy stuff. All right. At any rate, uh, that's not getting me anywhere other than just venting a little bit. And there are some actual news stories. At, as I've often pointed out, there's more than I can typically keep up with uh, that we should be talking about. Uh, I'm going to go on the presumption, since I haven't heard back from Ron, that he will probably not be joining us today. Uh, And uh, I will keep an eye out, however, just in case uh, something popped up. And uh, it's actually on me that that he did respond, and I just never saw it because it's, you know, technology. Blah. (laughs) It's great when it works, but I've been on the non-working end of it. Far too often, and I'm not just talking about BTR right now. Okay, so at any rate, there is a story we'll start with uh, that I had wanted to get to a little bit sooner and did not get to uh, for time constraint purposes. So I'm going to visit that right off the top here, and we will uh, be once again talking about one of my favorite fresh faces of the Democratic Party. Uh, Not... AOC this time. Uh, no, it is uh, the the refugee, the refugee from Somalia, the representative of a district in the great state of Minnesota. 
Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Democratic Representative Ilhan Omar. We talked several months ago, actually, depending on how you define several, I suppose. We talked a few months ago about uh, these information, these reports that were uh, being released in regards to the possibility of Omar as well as AOC and possibly even Rashid Tlaib all having violated campaign finance laws. Well, it would appear that in Ms. Omar's case, uh, it has went from being reported to now being considered factual information as new reports are coming forward that she did indeed improperly spend thousands of dollars in campaign funds on non-campaign expenses in uh, 2016 and 2017 while still serving in the state legislature. Minnesota's Campaign Finance and Public uh, disclosure Board uh, made that determination this past Thursday, and the uh, state board ordered Omar to personally reimburse her campaign for just under $3,500. Uh, this, of course, was money that the campaign spent on out-of-state travel for Omar and on her joint tax returns. Uh, Omar is also required to pay a civil penalty of $500. For using campaign funds to pay her travel to a conference in Florida where she received a bit of a payment for uh, making uh, her speaking engagement. It wasn't straight cash, but it still was a a quid pro quo and uh, has cash value, if you will. Now, Republican Minnesota State Representative Steve Drakowski filed the initial complaint back in July of 2018, alleging that Omar's campaign had paid attorneys $2,250 for services related to, Omar, to Omar's 2017 marriage dissolution. Now, I'm sure if you want to make an argument, I'm sure lots of Democrats would argue that since this Marriage was to her brother and also a violation of U.S. immigration laws. It was used in a fraudulent fashion, a fraudulent activity, a criminal activity that uh, is denied now in a very sloppy, haphazard attempt has been made to uh, scrub all evidence of this from social media for which there was. Ample evidence of this on social media. Well, I think you could legitimately call that a campaign expense, couldn't you? Uh, we got to get rid of this. This is big. We can't get elected uh, in a statewide level to a national office if this got out. Or could you? Because again, I'd like to remind you, uh, Miss Omar is highly representative of the district in which she was elected. Rashid Tlaib is highly representative of the district for which she was elected. And yes, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who still may yet not have the strongest uh, chances of re-election, mostly because of her – we'll call it faux pas – regarding Amazon and jobs for her district, she still – for all intents and purposes, highly representative of the district for which she was elected. Now, some people would then 
call out to me and say, isn't that what you say works best about our country? And in a lot of ways, I would have to say, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's also why we have an electoral college instead of the popular election making determinations. I would also say that there's a reason why you have multiple districts within a state so that a single district that's overpopulated with one group isn't going to be able to dominate. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The voice of the entire state. I would point all those things out. And I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing that they're what's representative of their district. I am, however, saying that you have to take a long, hard look at the district. Would would Mr. Omar's district look so very unfavorably upon such a marriage if it was simply admitted? Well, the district wouldn't. There would, however, be legal ramifications, and should law enforcement do what they're supposed to do, and the judicial branch of our governments, even at their local state level, were to do what they're supposed to do, it would then most likely disqualify her for holding the office. So she still has to deny. Deny, 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 deny. The point here being is that she has indeed been caught. It has been acknowledged. There's no hiding it. But what is most disconcerting to me in regards to this bit of uh, information is the fact there's still no movement by the Minnesota Democratic Party to censor her or to distance her from themselves. And there's no effort from the National Democratic Party to even mention it because mentioning it simply would bring more eyeballs who haven't bothered to pay attention to this story in the first place. And the last thing they want to admit is that they're new, fresh faces. They're women of color. They're, they're how dare you challenge them uh, <laughs> because it makes you a bigot caucus. Or as uh, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, referred to them in addressing Bill de Blasio uh, this past week, the Hamas caucus, and I think that's actually a, a pretty good descriptor of, of these three ladies, um, despite the fact that these folks are such, such poor representatives of what America is actually supposed to be about. Uh, they don't want you looking too hard at them. They have to admit that there are things wrong in the party. And while you and I both know that there are things wrong with the party, and primarily many of the people who are in the party, they're still not about to admit it. Sadly, if they really want to become electable again, I mean seriously electable, if they really want to have a broad base appeal, 
especially for those folks that do not have a party loyalty, that just want who they believe to be the best people in office. They want that kind of appeal again, and there was a time in American history where, yes, indeed, lots of Democrats had that kind of appeal. They're going to have to not only admit that they have these problems, but they're also going to have to deal with these problems. And unfortunately, the leftist playbook simply isn't going to allow them because right now they are lock, stock, and barrel bought, paid, and owned by the leftist globalist. There is no other explanation. They've become so hypocritical because they know they can get away with it. They've become so short-sighted while talking about the long game that it's hard to ignore unless you pay no attention. And the one fortunate thing for them that they can count on without ceasing is that the majority of the people that do in fact support them really aren't paying any attention. They hear the talking points. They listen to one or two uh, media outlets who are – doing the cheerleading and, and literally are going to be hurting their backs from carrying all the water for these people. Uh, they listen to those folks, and they believe it. I had really gotten out of the habit of listening to the uh, Sunday morning news shows uh, until these last few weeks, and I started checking them out again. And And going into this last hour, I literally heard a Democratic strategist flat-out lie multiple times on Fox News, and the hosts weren't calling her out on it. I mean they, they tried to make a counterpoint, but they didn't make the simple point that – excuse me, but it was just a few months ago, and part of this, of course, they were talking about uh, Donald Trump's big win on the border. Everybody's all excited, yeah, except for uh, Democrats, of course, which is why Nancy Pelosi made her statement, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the point being here is that you had one conservative commentator, a pundit, uh, try to make the point that uh, you know we finally have Democrats starting to admit that there is in fact a crisis on the border. In fact, there was a humanitarian crisis on our border under Barack Obama, and they refused to say too much about that. They kept it under the uh, radar. Uh, they started separating children from adults because of the court uh, and all these things that we pointed out a bajillion times. And the point was trying to be made that finally at least Democrats are starting to acknowledge there is a crisis. And then this lady, who's a Democratic strategist, makes a statement that, oh, no, Democrats have never said there wasn't a crisis on the border. They've never said there wasn't a crisis on the border. I'm, how many of you guys remember not that long ago people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer – very loudly in front of any microphone that they could uh, get within earshot of saying that Donald J. Trump is manufacturing a crisis on the board, that it wasn't real. It was made up. It was Donald Trump's imaginings, and that was the party line until just a few short weeks ago. 
yes, the Democrats have said there is no crisis on the border. We all heard it. And yet this lady is saying this and then trying to spin, say, no, no, well, there's, well, there's always been an acknowledgement of the humanitarian issues on our southern border. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That is simply not true. Now, perhaps there have been a few outspoken people who happen to have a D at the end of their name who've not towed the party line and actually who have been punished for doing so, having seen certain committee assignments revoked if they've done so publicly. Maybe there's been a few individuals who said, hey, look, here's the issue. Uh, I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like how Donald Trump does things. I don't like how Donald Trump says things, but he's right. Uh, That's the kiss of doom right there. By the way, that's what got them in trouble. He's right about this humanitarian issue on our southern border, and something needs to be done. Okay, sorry. But those individuals speaking up does not constitute the party acknowledging that there's a problem. The party spent a great deal of time and energy pretending there isn't a problem. That was their excuse for letting the government shut down. That was their excuse for not willing – being willing to come to the table to discuss with Donald J. Trump ways to fix the problem because there's not a problem on the – and we all know why. They they haven't seen it as a problem on the border. The only reason there's any acknowledgement at an official level right now by the party is because the American people have been insistent that despite what you've been saying, Nancy – Despite what you've been saying, Chuck, we, the American people, are suffering because you're not getting stuff done to protect the American public, to secure the American border, to control who is and is not coming into our country or going out of our country. You're not doing your job. And with that, they begin acknowledging without admitting they've done anything wrong. Again, refer back to the earlier part of this conversation. They can't admit they've done anything wrong because then they have to acknowledge that the other side has been right. And that's even worse than saying they were wrong. They could be wrong a hundred times as long as the other side's wrong too. See, that's okay. That's the mindset. That's the DC game. So with all of that being said, we've got open dishonesty on mainstream media, and it's appearing even on Fox News with absolutely little to no pushback, and I find it very, very disconcerting. All right, well… Already gotten a little long-winded on that. It's almost the halfway point of the first hour. So what do you say, assuming that the audio (laughs) will be uh, processed in time for distribution, uh, then under normal circumstances, this particular uh, broadcast would be split in two for the the fine folks at uh, KYAH 540 AM, Utah Stock Authority. And with that in mind… 
that means it's also time for me to go ahead and do the uh, Edwards Notebook and the Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. So let's do it sandwich style. Like I said, recently received uh, two Edwards Notebooks for other uh, toasts together. So we'll uh, split those up with the Songs and Stories in the middle, and then we'll be right back with today's next topic. Stay with me. The presidential campaign season is just revving up, but it may be the easiest for voters to figure out. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, both President Trump and his Democrat Party opponent will have their own unique agendas. President Trump's agenda will include growing the U.S. economy. His Democrat opponent's agenda? Stop Trump. The Trump agenda will, of course, include securing the borders. The agenda of Trump's Democrat opponent will be to stop Trump. Low unemployment is also part of the president's agenda. His Democrat opponent will zero in on his or her agenda to stop Trump. Trump's agenda also includes bringing back America's industrial prowess. His Democrat opponent's agenda? Stop Trump. Trump's agenda includes fair trade deals and lower taxes. The Democrat agenda? Stop Trump. Affordable medical care. A further reduction of regulations and improving infrastructure round out the president's agenda, while his one-track pony Democrat opponent's agenda is stop Trump, which also means to stop America. I'm Ron Edwards. Let's meet Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on AmericaMatters.us and 12 a.m. Sundays on Talk America Radio Network. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Do you remember when you were in basic training or your first duty assignment? I do. What about those men and women who trained with you have you ever wondered what happened to them? I have. What about some of the people who served with you a good part of the time you were in the military? Ever wonder what happened to them? I have. Do you think they might also be wondering what happened to you? I think so. Would you like to find out? Here is your veterans tip of the day. Find out about your buddies by joining TogetherWeServed.com. This is a free service and TWS has reunited over 1.8 million vets in all branches of the service, and they can help you find your friends. You may be surprised at who you can find. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. If leftists in California have their way, the Golden State will forever be tarnished. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Not that long ago, California symbolized a sense of youthful optimism. She was a magnet for those seeking a better opportunity. Her cities were one-time symbols of great civility, especially San Francisco, which was one of the five most beautiful cities on earth. Unfortunately, those of the political left, whose long-time goal has been to collapse our beloved republic, have taken full control of the political reins in that state and are furiously working to literally destroy her via sanctuary cities. Being overrun by illegal border crosses, of course, and skid row bums. Former Attorney General... Eric the Red Holder once made reference to utilizing California as an example of how to collapse America as a whole in order to advance the political 
agenda of the left, which includes the elimination of free speech, freedom of thought, and opportunities for all, replacing them with misery and godless government control from cradle to grave. My fellow Americans, I believe we shall overcome such madness, but there is no time to waste. Join me Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on americamatters.us. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, trying to get over to uh, let folks know that uh, the chat room is down. I was trying to follow uh, Chief's uh, recommendation while I was taking that break, and uh, sadly, uh, still still trying to to get that taken care of. So it's just one thing after another. But hey, what else can you do? It is one of those things. I think. Now let me pull up and make sure. Da, 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 da. Uh, did that work? <laughs> I can't tell. That's just awesome. Well, anyway, I guess that's enough of that. I don't know. Hmm. Well, it looks like Chief is still the only uh, comment that I can see there. All right. So uh, what do you say we actually get back to the show instead of me just uh, bumbling along, shall we? And came across this, and I thought it was certainly worth uh, discussing. I, I don't think there's anything particularly uh, shocking in this report, but it is a little unusual for us to get the – uh, heads up in such a fashion uh, as this. It would appear that uh, the off-rumored missing MIA uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a.k.a. the notorious RBG, uh, she was suggesting Friday that the Supreme Court is in fact deeply divided over its most watched cases this season. And she was hinting that a series of 5-4 decisions are likely as the court approaches the end of its current term. Now, of course, Ginsburg was talking to the Second Court – I'm sorry, Second Circuit Judicial Conference. Uh, the court was uh, 
unlikely to achieve consensus on several high-profile matters was what she told those folks. In fact, quoting now, she said, uh, of the 43 argued cases resolved so far, only 11, or just over 25 percent, were decided by a vote of 5 to 4 or 5 to 3. Uh, she then continues saying, given the number of most watched cases still unannounced, I cannot predict that the relatively low sharp division ratio will hold. Now, what she was saying is that 43 cases they've heard and uh, have decided to this point, they were mostly in agreement with. So that's a good thing, right? Only 25 percent just just below well actually just over uh just over 25 percent of these cases were close were decided along partisan lines but then she warns that the remaining cases that have yet to be announced don't expect that to hold expect that uh, the ones that are actually going to mean the most to the most people that there's going to be virtue signaling there's going to be partisanship. There's going to be the leftist slash conservative split. But you know what? She did not say that you weren't going to have one of the supposed conservative justices siding with the leftists. So even though she says that they were close, and it sounds like she was complaining, don't be surprised if a Justice Kennedy or even a Justice Kavanaugh, depending on what some of these cases are, may not come down a little differently than what we would expect in such a tight ideological hearing. Now, one case likely to produce uh, this kind of a split – is the uh, dispute over the Trump administration's bid to add the citizenship question to the 2020 census form. A coalition of civil rights groups and Democratic state governments, uh, they've sued to try to stop the question's inclusion. Uh, they keep saying that it will depress minority participation in the census. The administration says it needs granular citizenship data uh, to improve enforcement of the Voting Rights Act. But the plaintiffs, of course, believe that they have uncovered evidence of the government's true partisan motive. The census serves as the basis for appointing seats in Congress among the states, one of many things that it actually does. Now, uh, Ginsburg discussed uh, the census dispute in connection with the 2018 travel ban decision. Uh, in which the five to four court said President Donald Trump's uh, entry sanctions were entitled to deference. Translation, five of the four people actually agreed that the law is the law and that the uh, chief executive has that kind of authority over who's allowed to enter our country. 
It doesn't matter that it's Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that you don't like Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that he says things that hurt your feelings. It doesn't matter that he kicks puppies and eats babies. It doesn't matter that he's a smelly, poopy head that that says mean things to people that you think should be protected. None of that matters. What matters is the law is the law. And unfortunately, it says a lot when it is a 5-4 decision. Unfortunately, it's a lot when everyone keeps insisting on calling it a travel ban. Unfortunately, everyone keeps insisting that it was a ban on Muslims. Why did they say these things? Well, we've heard them over and over and over again explain why Donald Trump shouldn't be allowed to do this, even though any other president would have been. He shouldn't be allowed because what he was campaigning, he said he was going to stop Muslims from coming into the country. That's not exactly the language he used, but occasionally he said things close enough to that that I'm not willing to argue that point. But I am willing to argue the point that Donald J. Trump, as always, continues to be an imprecise communicator. He says what's on his mind. He says the first thing that pops into his head, and sometimes it's not as clear as what it should be. Sometimes it sounds to other people very differently than what you intended for it to mean when you said it. Now, we've all had moments like that. I don't care who you are. I don't care how little or how much you've talked to groups of people or just family members. We've all had those points in time where we've said something, where in our head our intent is crystal clear and how could someone dispute it, but out of our mouth because we weren't as as precise as we should have been. Other people thought that you were saying something different. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. What you said was misunderstood. I mean, you, technically, I suppose you could make the case that it is your fault if you're the one who should have been a better communicator. But uh, yeah, that's basically what they keep telling me every time I write an article. Uh, here, we're going to change this because this is a little unclear. This is a little vague. See, it's not vague. I know what I'm talking about. Said yes, but we're not you. Oh yeah, uh, you're right about that. Okay. No, actually, more often than not, I understand, and it happens on this show quite a bit too. Sometimes I'll be saying something, and, and, and sometimes I've had guests on here who, again, I get their intent because I'm on the same wavelength with them. But sometimes folks that are listening in, they'll be in the chat room, and they'll be like, this guy's a putz. I can't believe it, and, and they've actually kind of gotten the feeling that they're saying something the complete opposite because they'll use a bit of sarcasm or they'll use a, a – uh, a phraseology that if you're not paying close attention to, you miss the uh, the hinge point. And again, that's on them for being imprecise communicators. You have to be prepared to reach an audience. Unfortunately, depending on the audience that you have, uh, there's different levels to which you must be willing to go to in order to actually be precise enough for them. Uh, if I was uh, talking to a group of uh, liberal-minded Democratic voters, 
trying to explain why the wage gap is not a real thing, I would need to be prepared to get down on a second grade level because it's going to have to be that simple. And they're still not going to accept what I'm telling them, but I need to be prepared to be that level of precise. If I'm talking to the folks that ordinarily listen to this show, I know that two things are going on. They've heard me enough by now that they generally have a pretty good idea of when I'm being imprecise of where I'm going with it. But number two, they're typically smart enough that they can fill in the gaps. They can get where I'm being sarcastic even if I'm not sounding particularly sarcastic. And most importantly of all, they know what a joke sounds like. So I don't have to be that concerned. But even then, sometimes I still come across that way. So I feel Donald Trump's pain when it comes to being an imprecise communicator. But sometimes when you're trying to rally up a base like you were during a campaign, then guess what? Your imprecision is exactly what fires up the maximum amount of people. Because if you spend too much time trying to be overly precise, then you start to sound like all the other double-speak political talking people that they're looking for someone to replace. So it's Donald Trump's strength at the same time of occasionally being utilized as a weapon against him by the media, by the Democrats… And in the uh, court system by activist judges. It's going to be interesting to see how these cases fall down. Now, I get the argument about why the question needs to be asked. It was part of the census previously, it was removed. As a way of trying to placate a ever-growing segment of people living in the country that were not here legally. But the very fact that these folks would use the terminology, uh, they, they literally say that putting this back – putting this question back in the census would in fact uh, reduce minority participation. They didn't say a word about citizens. The level of participation by non-citizens is not a significant uh, – and I'm going to probably get some backlash for saying this, but this was the general consensus by both parties for a very long time. Uh, not The lack of participation by non-citizens is not a significant concern for the purposes of the census. If you have people living in your state and you've welcomed them in, but they're still not citizens, you should not get additional representation in the House of Representatives because you have broken federal immigration laws and created safe spaces. You should not. You might want it, but you should not. And this has nothing to do with me saying, well, this is mostly in Democratic uh, districts because I would say the same thing if this was Republicans. I made a lot of people here in my home district area very angry not too long ago by calling out the Republican Party for attempting to gerrymander when they were redrawing districts. 
Now, I, I've mentioned before, uh, but uh, since I don't mention it very often, I don't talk a lot about uh, the uh, local politics here because I figure since I have a largely national audience and a, a, a growing international audience, the majority of you people probably don't care about the little local spats between uh, two members of the county commission, things of that nature. It really doesn't affect you in a meaningful way. It means a lot to the folks here. Means way more than most people here realize because it has the most direct impact on their lives. But still, I, I don't mention a lot of it. But I made a lot of people angry posting on social media in particular because here's one of the little things that uh, that matters in the state, and that is for for nearly a century, Tennessee was locked down, straight up Democrat state. Very few Republicans could get elected to state positions. So for the longest time, Democrats, whenever it was time to redraw the state districts, did so uh, to put themselves in a strong position. And that whole time, the Republican Party cried foul. They cried foul. They cried foul. They cried foul. Every time it was done, every time it was done in a fashion to make it that much harder for Republicans to ever gain control, they said it. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Was wrong. They didn't use any other terminology. They made it a moral black and white. And then, literally, the very first time once Tennessee flipped, became a red state, was saw. Firsthand, thanks to the actions of Barack Hussein Alawakbar Obama and his openly leftist globalist agenda that he was trying to bring to this nation, it flipped this state. They had had enough, and what was the first things the Republicans tried to do when it was time to redraw districts again? Oh, they didn't go by uh, by anything that was geographic. They didn't go by anything that made sense for for county purposes or for ease of of voting. You know the common sense things that you would want to put it. No, they went and did the exact same thing that for nearly a hundred years they said was wrong. And I had a lot of the local Republicans. I thought you were a conservative. I am a conservative, but I have. No real party loyalty. My loyalty is to the concepts of conservatism. My loyalty is to the ideology that if something is right, it's right, and if something is wrong, it's wrong. 
I do believe and understand that there may very well and certainly are things that may fall into a gray area. But when you spend nearly 100 years saying something is wrong, then I expect you to be consistent and still say that thing is wrong when you have the opportunity to do something about it. And don't give me the, but they did this, so what? You're not them. And if they were wrong when they did it, you're not going to be right by doing the same thing. You can only be right by undoing it. Go back and apply a standard that actually fits common sense, not a standard that's going to try and maintain your power. Because guess what, boys and girls? When you actually take the time, when you actually take the time to express the fundamental values of conservatism to the general voting public, and you just have to put in the effort to figure out how best to communicate with whatever group you're communicating with, conservatism wins. The one advantage that Democrats typically have in the younger folks is the fact that most of them simply aren't paying enough attention. And for the ones who are paying attention to politics… They have this glorious lack of life experience that prevents them from understanding what the end result of their good intentions uh, equates out to. This should not be an issue for the Supreme Court. Yet it's gotten to the Supreme Court and will most likely be decided in a partisan fashion. Another closely followed case that's probably going to uh, fall into the same category according to the notorious Ruth Bader, case that presents a direct challenge to the doctrine of agency law that requires courts to defer to an agency's interpretation of its own regulation. In recent years, many conservatives have harshly criticized that doctrine, doctrine called the allure difference – well, deference, actually – arguing it places too much power in the hands of unaccountable federal agencies. You've heard us complain about that a lot right here. We've talked about bureaucracies that have been given the authority to act as if they have legislative power. It's too much. The late Justice Antonin Scalia wrote back in 1997 that a decision for a unanimous court saying that Ginsburg perhaps uh, – well, here, saying that Ginsburg perhaps alluded to internal divisions said that overruling the Aller would be contrary to stare uh, decides, which is another legal – and anyway, the idea that judges should adhere – to pass decisions. Now, I for one don't like the idea that judges should adhere to past decisions. Primarily because if you are using the Supreme Court, your decisions should be pretty much the same regardless. Did I say using the Supreme Court? If you're using the Constitution, as you're making decisions at the Supreme Court, see, now my mind is moving faster than my mouth can, so I'm skipping important words. Not not the best practice for somebody that you're listening to. Uh, 
So I'll I'll try to bring that back. But this idea is also something that it, it does present an issue because here's the thing. Most of – as I was trying to say before I started skipping words, if you're utilizing the Constitution to make your determinations as they come to the Supreme Court, then as long as the circumstance is the same, then the decisions are going to be the same. So you don't have to have some kind of hard fast rule that says – Oh, yeah, well, we've already ruled on this once. Because here's the thing. Yes, you may have ruled on whether or not the EPA should be allowed to um, – to, uh, it's, it's going to be a long second hour, I can tell. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, take two. Uh, this idea that when the Supreme Court looks at these issues, uh, you're going to get basically the same results as long as the circumstances are the same. But if you're going to say the EPA, for example, has the right to determine determine to determine what its regulations actually means, okay, that's fine as long as the EPA is attempting to go by the guidelines set forth. Uh, by a chief executive that wants to be them as uh, minimum. You need to be as minimal as possible. You need to be as less invasive as possible. You need to understand the role of the federal government, which includes you as part of the federal government, is to be non-invasive and to only provide and serve the public good. But what happens when your chief executive – uh, becomes an overreaching individual that wants to control your life in every facet that it can. Then you have the EPA going around telling people that they can't collect rainwater on their own property. That's overreach. That's when it is not okay for the EPA to interpret their own regulations, and that would be the circumstance that has changed. So if the Supreme Court simply looks and says, well, we've already decided that uh, the IRS gets to determine what this means, and then you dismiss it rather than looking at the circumstances. That's where you start running into a problem, and that's why I think that is a concept that should just just blow away. Other parts of remarks uh, that Ginsburg made, she credited Jess Brett Kavanaugh for hiring an all-female uh, staff of law clerks for the first time in the court's history. Although uh, I'm sure at some point down the road uh, that's going to be compared to Mitt Romney's comments about a uh, <laughs> a, a <laughs> oh we've got files full of women. Something like that will come. There will be someone that makes some accusation down the road. I promise you. But at least, uh, at least Ginsburg says uh, hat tip to Kavanaugh Ford at this point. Uh, though women now constitute a majority of Supreme Court clerks, Ginsburg laments that female attorneys made up a small percentage of the advocates who argue before the court. 
saying, quote, Justice Kavanaugh made history by bringing on board an all-female law clerk crew. Uh, thanks to his selections, the court has this term for the first time ever, more women than men serving as law clerks. Women did not fare nearly as well as advocates, she added. Only about 21% of the attorneys presenting oral arguments this term were female. Now, of course, the Supreme Court is due to release uh, several more opinions this coming Monday. Technically, at the time of this live broadcast, that would be tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. I think think it will be uh, very, very fun. I'm listening, but have no idea where to go for Chief's instructions. <laughs> well, Kel is listening live. She sent me a message over on Facebook that I just now checked out. So thanks for listening, Kel. I appreciate it. I'm sure other folks are too. Uh, basically, the comment section at the, the bottom of the actual show page where you're listening at is what he's talking about. And I tried opening it up on uh, in a different uh, – See now, I'm just I'm drawing blanks on every word that I'm trying to get. I, I'm going to have to take a break or something. Fortunately, it's getting close to the end of the hour. But uh, yeah, down at the bottom where you can make comments, uh, you can do stuff live. I tried commenting there that the uh, chat room is not working. Please let me know that you're here uh, so that I can do the usual roll call kind of thing. If you guys can do that, I'll still be checking there periodically. But uh, at any rate, uh, so anyway, that's the point, uh, getting back to the show. Yes, I am the consummate professional. This is why I have dozens of radio stations around the country listening to me. Uh, yeah, that's why I've got two radio stations. Uh, no, there's three now. I've got three radio stations currently, and I'm actually in discussions with two more. But if we don't work out this technical stuff, and if I don't clean up my act and stop all this blah, 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 that's probably not going to happen. So that's on me. I'm working on it. Come on, BTR. Help me out, and uh, we'll go from there. Closing down near the end of this first hour, we'll have to do the reset business here momentarily. You know, it, The one thing that you do sometimes see, though, I, I just want to make the comment. You do see a little more uh, bipartisanship. Than you see in Congress is on the Supreme Court. You know, once they get there, they they feel very differently about things, but they still actually acknowledge that uh, the other side's made up of some uh, reasonably decent people. They get along a lot better there. They're willing to put aside those differences when it comes to public outings. So you know, it would be nice if Congress could take you know, kind of a Kind of a tip from uh, the Supreme Court. I think they would be well served to do that because uh, now, of course, what is demanded by the leftist of uh, this country politically is that you cannot even acknowledge the humanity of the other side. If you do, you've messed up. That's going to be where I leave it for this first hour. So for those of you listening to KYH 540 AM, Utah Stock Authority, uh, please join me again tomorrow morning when presumably you'll get to hear the second half of this broadcast. This broadcast was indeed 
Broadcast live June 9th, 2019, Sunday. So hang with me. Uh, we're going to do the reset right about now, and then we'll jump right in with the next uh, series. And I'll be keeping an eye out just in case Ron does join us, even though I never heard from him. So I, I'm not expecting him, but if he joins us, then uh, great. Meanwhile, here we go. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Damn you, 
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, this is, of course, live on Sunday afternoon, uh, June 9th, 2019. We're just a smidge past 4 p.m. Eastern Time right now. Uh, so if by the time you finally do hear this, it seems a bit dated, that might explain part of it. And, of course, the reason I say that is because, first and foremost, you may hear this in archives somewhere, although BTR has to actually distribute it for that, which means they have to process my audio after the show's over, which they still haven't done for last Friday's show, meaning that the fine folks in both Utah and in Crestview, Florida, who normally get to hear a uh, unique broadcast episode for the weekend did not get to hear Friday night's show. So for that, I apologize, guys. Hopefully, hopefully that audio can get processed and we'll be able to play it next week. That's what I'm hoping. In the meanwhile, uh, <laughs> if that is the case, you probably already heard it by now, by the time you get to this one, uh, unless the broadcast order gets uh, discombobulated, uh, which, you know, who knows? Uh, this show could get processed first, and you may get to hear this one before you get to hear the other one. I just – I do think, however, I am probably going to take this upcoming week off. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to do that in hopes that BTR primarily will get stuff done, although if something drastic occurs or if I change my mind, I may just broadcast over at uh, Spreaker. Uh, and then upload it to the folks that want to hear it at BTR. But you guys can look for me on Spreaker uh, I, or check social media. I'll post it if I decide to do that. Uh, but it, this BTR thing is really getting frustrating. And I, given the nature of the fact that we're still having some issues also with the uh, with the uh, dashboard up here, uh, which concerns me, uh, we may. I may just stop scheduling guests until they finally get all the uh, all the little bugs worked out because that's the last thing I want to do is to have a, a guest schedule and then not be able to get them on. But I definitely want to thank Chief, who I know for sure is listening. He actually called in to let us know that you can hear the show live on the uh, website uh, directly. That's something that had been going on uh, the previous week. They had that worked out. Um, as of last Wednesday, uh, everything was working well there. Uh, chat room was working fine then, and chat room is back down as of Friday, so no chat room today. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Kel Fritzy, who sent me a message via Facebook to let me know that uh, she is listening uh, and that she's here live. And for anybody else that's listening live but uh, obviously uh, can't let me know for whatever reason – uh, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. The, the BTR struggle is real. But like I said, I, I know that this is coming from updates that they're trying to do. It's just really, really starting to get frustrating at this point, more to the point because it felt like everything was fixed, and now we're back to stuff. And uh, you know, I can, I can deal with uh, the chat room not being there. Uh, I miss being able to interact a little more directly with you guys and know who's in here, but I can deal with that. I can even handle the fact that maybe you had to call in to listen 
or maybe you had to wait till the audio was uh, processed and, and listen in archives or listen to the podcast somewhere else. What really is irritating to me, however, is that the majority of people that hear this show hear it after it's been distributed, after it's been syndicated. And in order for that to happen, BTR has to process that audio, and then it's on them to do a certain amount of that distribution, and then I do the rest. But they have to actually process it first, which is why I'm hoping they get this fixed and uh, that I'm not spinning my wheels because I hate to have two unprocessed shows. That would be beyond annoying because this then is starting to affect the majority of people. Now, don't get me wrong either. I, I'm not trying to diminish the folks that come here and listen live. By any means, I love you guys. You guys are the ones that let me know for sure that I know you're there. And that you're willing to show up live, and you're willing to interact, and half of you guys are even willing to come onto the show. So I'm, I, I certainly don't mean uh, to diminish that, but the overwhelming number of people that listen, the big numbers, the, the part that, that really makes it where at some point I'm going to be able to say, hey, want to buy some advertising? <laughs> or to be able to say uh, – you guys need to monetize me because here's what I'm doing for you. That's that's where those numbers come from. So come on, come on, guys, seriously. All right, uh, let's let's get past my belly aching and get back to uh, some informative type stuff, and then I'll give you my take as well. Um, as I'm sure most of you have heard by now, while Donald J. Trump was abroad. I'm letting that sink in for the leftists who maybe have trouble understanding English. While he was out of the country, he was hanging out with uh, queens and princes and having a great state visit in the UK and gave what may have been his very best speech uh, on the uh, remembrance of uh, D-Day. Uh, while he was doing this and also simultaneously swatting at Bette Midler and uh, Sadiq Khan and and several folks in the media that uh, didn't want to admit that many of the so-called protests that were going on uh, against Donald Trump in the UK were being exaggerated by their size, and you know they were having all these fits. And Nancy Pelosi, of course. Uh, Intentionally, while he was out of the country, uh, saying where she knew it would be leaked, that I don't want him impeached. I want him in jail. Literally, all the whining and crying and, and just all in all being a, a little baby about the lock her up chance. And Mimi Pelosi is now actually leading the lock him up chance. The only difference here, of course, being the fact that in Hillary's case, there are a couple of clear-cut crimes that have put people in jail. And in Donald Trump's case, we've discovered that largely through the Mueller investigation that there really wasn't a crime, although uh, the, the leftists, the, the folks on the left and office-holding Democrats still want to claim that by reading the Mueller report, it's clear evidence of obstruction of justice, except that in order for it to be obstruction of justice, there has to have been a crime that he's trying to hide. Not once is there a crime to be hid. 
he didn't want to hide anything. He just wanted the investigation over because he knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Like most of us knew, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And even I, who said, all right, fine, let's do the investigation. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's find out. It came pretty clear pretty quickly. There's nothing there. There is no there there. In uh, the words of Van Jones, it's a big nothing burger. And that's exactly what it was. There was no Russian collusion. It was the Russian collusion delusion, which I love that terminology, by the way. Anyway, while he was doing all that, he also managed to juggle another international event, and that being the negotiations with Mexico. Now, of course, all the world is a flutter now with the fact that supposedly this deal is no big deal because supposedly Mexico had already offered all these concessions up, insinuating that this is just a manufactured victory. This is Trump trying to take a victory lamp over something that had already been established, blah, 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 blah. All right, well, we'll address that. Right now. Yes, Mexico had promised that they would do more to slow the influx of illegal migrants making their way to the United States southern border through the nation of Mexico coming from the nations of Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua, and El Salvador. They said they would do this. They sent troops to their southern border, standing behind their rather flimsy little border fence. And then we watched a caravan of migrants, primarily of Guatemalans, break down the fencing a few yards away from these soldiers and make their way across the bridge and continue on their path while the Mexican soldiers did zero zilch nada to impede the progress. So Mexico had given their word they would do this. The United States and Mexico had discussed on multiple occasions the idea of Mexico offering asylum to these asylum seekers, which, by the way, libs, typically speaking, that's how asylum is supposed to work. If you are legitimately seeking to escape potential danger in your home country, you go to the nearest, safest nation. And that's where you attempt to seek asylum. And then after you've done that, if you are granted asylum, then you attempt to move wherever you want your final destination to be. But it will not be on the grounds of seeking asylum. I would say that as long as these people are from Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador and and wherever else they may be coming from, the very fact that they are not going to the closest country that is safe, and unless you count the corruption and the drug cartels in Mexico, Mexico is still considerably much safer than, say, Guatemala and Honduras, particularly Honduras and Nicaragua. I think it's very clear very quickly that it's not really asylum they're seeking, and we've had those discussions. But here's the point. Mexico had talked about these things, and Democrats had tried to stop this, saying that No, you can't leave asylum seekers in Mexico while we hear their cases. They have to be in the country. You can't make them stay on the other side of our border. I'm old enough to remember that uh, happening. I'm sure most of you guys can too. 70s, 
since it was just a few months ago that they were screaming this. So yes, the the point that Mexico had made some concessions and said they were going to do some stuff, that's not exactly breaking news. It's not new. But here's the difference. They agreed to increase their border security by about 5,000 more soldiers, and they've given us their word that they're going to more forcefully enforce protecting their southern border, that they will in fact start uh, doing these other things like allowing these migrants who are seeking asylum to stay on the Mexican side while we process them. And the idea here is is that they definitely have a vested interest. Now, I criticized right out the bat thinking that this may not be the best of ideas when it came to this tariff notion because what concerned me is we had already gotten promises from Mexico, and it didn't appear like they were interested in actually keeping them. They talked tough, but then when the time came for the rubber to meet the road or perhaps the rubber bullets to meet the flesh of whiny uh, caravan members, uh, nothing happened. They just were still allowed to pass right through. So I didn't foresee the Mexican government actually living up to any promises they might make. So I saw this as being a case where tariffs probably would go in place, and I made two points, and I still think they're two legitimate points when it comes down to it. Number one, uh, part of the reason why the China tariffs have not hurt the U.S. economy uh, to any significant levels as of yet… It's primarily because we've been able to substitute a lot of the things we would have been getting really, really cheap from China. Uh, we've been getting them really, really cheap from Mexico. So now if you have tariffs on both of them, then we start to feel a little more pain. So I thought that maybe not such a great idea. And then the second point that made me think it probably not a great idea was the fact that, of course, what happens when the Mexican economy starts to tank? Historically, that's when we have the highest levels of Mexicans illegally crossing our southern border looking for better wages and more money. So it could actually make our illegal migrant crisis bigger. And that was my two points, and I still think that should those tariffs go in place, that that still might very well be the fact. Now, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump shouldn't use tariffs as a negotiating point. He should be able to use them as leverage, and every single member of the House and the Senate should keep their mouths shut unless they see him actually do it. They should give the indication that they do not intend on interfering so that he can negotiate the best possible negotiation to get the best possible outcome. Of that negotiation. That is how it should be. Democrats can't allow it to stand, and now the Democrats are going well out of their way to try and dismiss this huge victory because the Mexicans decided uh, at least the Mexican president is on board with, hey, we don't want to risk our economy tanking. We've worked a long time to try and start improving this economy, to get it on its feet, to start building Mexico back up to being a nation that the people can be proud of. And they should be. Realistically speaking, there's a tremendous amount of natural resources readily available 
to the nation of Mexico. Tremendous farming capabilities, tremendous uh, ports. I mean, just the the history for tourism. They just so many things Mexico could do to have a, a, a literally a kick butt economy. <coughs> Excuse me. They should be working to improve their economy, and I'm glad that they said, hey, okay, we'll do this, and are at least for the time being appearing as if they're going to honor their word on this. So this is a victory for Donald Trump. It is. The real question is how long will Mexico do this? Will Mexico really be serious, or is it still just, hey, you know what? We, we're we're going we're gonna to do this, and we're going to play it out as long as we can. That's the real question. I didn't think Mexico was really going to, to step up. But as long as Mexico steps up, then okay. Negotiation complete. Job well done. Art of the deal. Deal done. Congratulations, President Trump. Uh, but then, of course, even before this latest effort to besmirch the deal by claiming that Mexico had already offered all this up and this is really just Donald Trump falsely claiming victory… Uh, Nancy Pelosi was out there Saturday uh, basically trying to smack down Donald Trump for uh, for trying to leverage these potential tariffs in order to convince Mexico to strengthen its border. She referred to it as – and I'm quoting now – more threats and temper tantrums. That is her statement. Now, Pelosi, of course, has been engaged – uh, in a, a war of words all week with Donald Trump, uh, back when, as I already mentioned, she was talking about uh, she wants to see him locked up instead of impeached. But uh, FYI, Nancy, if he's really committed a crime that you think uh, deserves to be uh, he deserves to be incarcerated for, then he's going to have to be impeached first, unless you're unless this crime is just not so consequential. As you to feel the need to act now, deferred incarceration. Anyway, Pelosi suggested that there was actually very little diplomatic gain in this little bit of a uh, <clears throat> Mexican standoff. Ha! See what I did there? Uh, or even in the deal itself, she was of course talking to the Washington Examiner uh, when she made these statements. Uh, after saying he would impose a 5% tariff on imports if Mexico did not act to fortify its border with the U.S. and prevent further illegal border crossings, uh, Mexico agreed after a flurry of negotiations, and Trump declared victory Friday night, uh, of course, in a tweet. Uh, but uh, according to Pelosi, it's no victory. Nope, not at all. She says, again quoting… President Trump undermined America's preeminent leadership role in the world by recklessly threatening to impose tariffs on our close friend and neighbor to the south. Threats and temper tantrums are no way to negotiate foreign policy. I must stop there for a second. When Barack Obama was president and we were complaining in mass that NATO – was letting us carry the brunt of the expenses of operations. 
Barack Obama sent an emissary to our European allies and told them, you guys, you're, you're going to have to increase your defense spending. You're going to have to going to well pay your fair share. I feel dirty just using that phrase. I just feel like a Democrat talking about ta- rich people in taxes. You got to pay your fair share. <sighs> Bill Clinton sent someone to our European allies and NATO and said, "Guys, you're going to have to going to have to start paying your fair share." George W. Bush even sent an emissary to our European allies and NATO and said, hey, guys, we we can't keep paying for the majority of this. Uh, Part of the agreement is that you'll spend X amount of percent of your national national gross product here. So your your GDP is is higher than what you're kicking in here, Uh, the percentage of what you should be paying. In comparison to what you are, so come on, guys. In all three instances, they listened. They said, well, all right, yes, yes, you're correct. We're By agreement, by treaty, we're supposed to do that. And then nothing. Now, Donald Trump comes along and says, hey, look, you guys, you know what? Um... No, nah, I'm not going to put up with it. Uh, here's the deal. Either you live up to the terms of the treaty or the treaty's done. You know, like w- most reasonable people would have done pretty much for the existence of humanity. Uh, how long, how many occasions throughout history have you seen nations enter into treaties and then one or more members of the treaty fail to live up to the terms of the treaty and then the treaty still continue to exist as if nothing was wrong? It's not a common thing. Not a common thing. But, you know, the idea is, as far as our European allies were concerned, as long as America was willing to carry the brunt of the expense, why not let them? On the one hand, I kind of get the idea. It's like, hey, yeah, somebody's willing to pay all this extra stuff for that. Why not? Seriously. But... Then you also run into this completely other situation where it is America who was having to pay for most of this. Donald Trump says, hey, look, that's it. This is the end of the deal. What happens? Well, most of NATO is still not quite where they're supposed to be, but they are all paying more for their own defense than they were before. So they're all a heck of a lot closer to living up to the terms. And how did we get there? Not by… Playing patty cakes and being nice, but by throwing a little bit of a tantrum, by making the threat that NATO will be no more if you don't pick up the slack that you're supposed to be doing. You're the one not living up to the agreement. We're not going to either because it's costing us way more than it's costing you. We have other concerns in the world than to worry about whether or not Russia invades you. We have more concerns in the world to worry about whether or not Turkey goes full Islamist and decides to uh, try to take over Greece. That's not our primary concern. But as members of NATO, 
then we have a automatic concern that kicks right in. You want us to have your back when this stuff starts to happen? Then live up to your part of the treaty. That's not even an unreasonable viewpoint, and that's the sad thing here. If you look at this, the overwhelming majority of things that Donald J. Trump continues to take criticism over is he takes a reasonable request, and he expresses it with either hyperbole or with sarcasm or just with a little bit of humor so that he doesn't seem overly angry about things. And in the process of doing those things, he gets accused of being the bad guy. The bad guy in this case are our allies who weren't doing their fair share. That's all. And Trump, instead of just saying, hey, guys, he said, look, here's the deal. If you don't want to be part of NATO anymore, we can do away with it. There doesn't have to be a NATO. Yeah, that was mostly for you guys anyway. Boom. Mic drop. Walk away. What is wrong with that? Well, the Democrats don't like it because actually it gets stuff done. See, that's the real and, and And trust me, it's not just Democrats. There are a lot of uh, lifelong politicians on the Republican side. They don't like that either because getting stuff done is the opposite of what politicians want to do. It's been a long time since they actually thought that they needed to go back to their home districts in order to get reelected and say, here's what I've done, done, and done, and actually have something to show for it. And it's been a long time since we've been there. Now they want the, the issues to remain so they can continue to run. People are passionate about this. This will get them to the polls. This will get them voting. If we solve the problem, then they won't be so passionate. They won't pay attention. To what I am doing anymore, I, I won't be able to get reelected. Uh, however, trust me, guys, for a lot of you, it is only because they haven't been paying attention that you've managed to get reelected, alone elected in the first place. So Nancy Pelosi gets upset. <coughs> Donald Trump, according to Nancy Pelosi, is undermining America's preeminent leadership role in the world. How so? He's actually being a leader. What you guys now conceive as being leadership is really nothing more than uh, we're just going to be part of a global community, and, and uh, George Soros will be our uh, our king god slash uh, serpent slayer, whatever BS they've got going on now. That's not leadership. Leadership is actually saying, hey, you know what? Here comes a bull. Heading towards that China shop. I'm a bigger bull. I'm going to take this one by the horns. I'm going to knock it down. I will slap it, <laughs> the taste out of its mouth. Then I'm going to go wreck the China shop. Why? Because I'm Donald freaking J. Trump, President of the United States of America. Nobody's bitch. That, that is leadership. Now, you may not like the style, but it's leadership. Readily available in business, uh, easily understood, acknowledged, sometimes even envied as far as a business-style leadership. Business leadership is about getting things done. It's about keeping promises. It's about being who Donald Trump has always been his whole life. That's not undermining America's leadership in the role in the world. That is restoring America's leadership role in the world because suddenly 
since the last days of Ronald Reagan as president of the United States, it is now believed in the hearts and minds of America's enemies that this is a country that will do something about it if they get out of line. It is believed in the hearts and minds of our allies that this is a country that will not simply be taken advantage of, that we want to be your ally, we want to be your friend, but we will not be simply a piggy bank or a cushion or an extra line of it. We will not be your French foreign legion. We will not be your surrogates to fight battles for you unless you're bringing something to the table. That's how allegiances and treaties work. It does us no good to have France's back if if Macron's just going to run behind Russia if the freaking Russian tanks roll into Paris tomorrow. It does us no good to continue to acknowledge Turkey as a member of NATO if all they're going to do is put Russian uh, missiles in place and keep telling us about how we need to just be more accepting of the most dangerous tenets of Islam. What you call temper tantrums… I call showing resolve. And what's hilarious is Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer have have thrown temper tantrums uh, to the point of shutting this government down when when Donald Trump wanted money for the border wall. They threw temper tantrums, and they still wanted to act like they were the adults in the room. They threw a temper tantrum over having the negotiations uh, in front of cameras.
<laughs> All right, guys. I'm back. Uh, don't know what happened there. Um, anyway, uh, tell me, Chief, uh, what was the last thing you heard me say? Because <laughs> I have no idea where we're at. I'm going to check something real quick, though, and see if maybe that disconnect involves some kind of uh, some kind of an update. Let's see here. Da 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 da. Okay, now great. Now pages are non-responsive, so I don't know what's going on. Jeez. Uh, uh, looks like they were trying to fix something here, and it just lost connection. All right, so uh, I have no idea where I was at when I just lost connection. Fortunately, it wasn't off the air for very long. But uh, anyway, now I'm going to be hard-pressed. Uh, certainly not going to revisit whatever was lost, but uh, dang it. I was on a roll, too. Really, just getting into the question of how you're able to uh, basically. Final thought I was trying to get to is that uh, we can no longer offer up the benefit of the doubt for people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, because they have indeed been around D.C. long enough to know exactly what. The results of these policies they've been pushing for so long are. There's no such thing as unintended consequences anymore because they've seen what happens when these things are done in small doses, when they're done in, in restricted areas. We've seen it, and yet they continue to push the idea, and they continue to tell people like you and me that the only reason that it didn't work is because we didn't throw enough money at it. It's like if we just had a little more money. They still never tell the average citizen that, in fact, they've wasted millions, if not billions, of da, 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 taxpayer dollars to pursue these goals and agendas that only destroy cities, and it destroys families, and it destroys individual lives because it destroys the human spirit. Really, really, really get angry when I think about this long enough. Anyway, um, I don't have much time left at this point, so I'm going to have to hurry <laughs> to get this last story in. But I'm not having much uh, success here. <laughs> I'm having much success getting my computer to bring up the, the next page. All right, so um, let's see if I can do this by memory. I don't have the article in front of me. Really wanted to be specific about who's involved with this. But uh, since I don't have the article in front of me and it looks like my tech is not going to cooperate for the remainder of the show, I'm going to try this by the seat of my pants. I, fortunately, I did do some research. Uh, okay, and now the computer's trying to do something else entirely freaky. Get rid of this. So here's the deal. As most of you know by now, YouTube has had a bit of a that was Stephen Crowder. Although it really wasn't so much about Stephen Crowder, that's been an ongoing thing. Uh, they've they've been trying to do things with Stephen for some time now. They don't like his brand of comedy. They don't. Uh, 
looking at a message right now from uh, from Kel. Wow, did BTR totally shut down your show? Uh, there for a second. Uh, that's what I thought had happened too. <laughs> and I'm still having issues uh, with this page here. But uh, so Stephen Crowder manages to fight as usual and win as usual because he hasn't violated any current YouTube policies. But you see, there's this little uh, – I shouldn't say little. Uh, there's this guy that uh, claims to be a journalist. He's, I suppose if he is a journalist, we're going to have to start doing these subclassifications of journalists. Uh, he would definitely be a, an activist journalist if that's what we're going to – if we're going to start doing that, and uh, I can't think of his name right off, which is part of why I wanted to have this in front of me. Uh, but he worked for Vox, still does actually. So I shouldn't use the word work. He works for Vox, has for a little bit now. And he was really upset that Stephen Crowder, over the course of whatever amount of time Stephen Crowder has been on YouTube, it's been for a few years now. Uh, he's referred to this guy specifically a couple of times, and he's kind of poked a little fun at him in the effort to uh, kind of dismiss some of his statements and some of the things that he's written. Now, ordinarily, this is par for the course. This is normal activity. You get yourself out into the public sphere, and then this is what you do. And you make yourself a public uh, figure, then you make yourself available for public scrutiny, which means some people who don't like you are probably going to make fun of you. Even some people that do like you are still going to make fun of some of the things you say and do. It's just that way. Uh, Chief makes fun of the way I say Washington quite often. Uh, and again, it's just an enunciation thing uh, here regionally. But Rightfully so. When I go back and listen on air, it certainly sounds very different than how it sounds in my ear. So I get why he does that. But I understand that uh, Chief doesn't mean any harm by that. He's not being overly uh, cruel or vicious. He's having a little poke at me, uh, and that's what we do. We uh, kind of we have to be prepared to develop a little bit thicker skin, and we have to also understand that just because somebody uh, says something about what we do or what we've said, it doesn't necessarily mean anything uh, other than the fact that, well, you said this, and they disagree with some aspect of it, and that is not a bad thing. So dude gets kind of upset because he feels like Stephen Crowder's been making fun of him way too much. He puts together this video montage of uh, about five to six maybe even seven years' worth of Crowder's videos to really just kind of uh, say, hey, he's been uh, abusive to me and, and making fun of me for a very long time now and try to make it look like he's really harassing him. It's not. They were like little pieces here and there over the course of many years. Now, if if you wanted to do this, you could probably do that to this show. I mean we've been doing this since uh, – since 2012, I think. And I've been on for a while. You could probably find several moments where I've made fun of just about everybody or everyone. And uh, you could make it the same like uh, I may mention it for 20 seconds here and there, but you could put together a montage that would make it seem like that's all I ever think about. That's what happened. So then what did YouTube do? Well, YouTube 
wasn't prepared for the backlash here. They they didn't like the fact that here's this media personality who was coming down on them for uh, what they claimed to have been violations of YouTube policy. And uh, dude wanted Crowder deplatformed. He, he didn't want him demonetized. He wanted him gone. Well, so YouTube looked into it. Crowder won because he didn't violate any current policy. But then because of the backlash from the left, YouTube then turned around and says, hey, you know what? We're making a new policy, and with this new policy, based on uh, the effect to the community, we're going to take action. And they gave Crowder the opportunity to like take down – I think it was a total of three videos and to uh, get rid of a link to a particular T-shirt that he was selling. If you did that, uh, we'll reinstate your monetization, but otherwise you're just demonetized here. And then utilizing this same brand new policy, they started doing the same thing to a bunch of other people. And the left was perfectly okay with this while it was people on the right who were getting smacked around by this new policy that's extremely vague and can't possibly be enforced evenly. Too much of it is subjective, and too much of it is gray area. And I'm sorry, if you're going to allow people to monetize, if you're going to allow people to basically make money for you, because here's the deal. YouTube has no content without people like us who are putting content on for them. They need us. The point is they conned all of us into doing the work for them. Then they started making money by selling ads, and they decided – that for some of us, if we wanted to make a business out of it, we could get cut in, become monetized, get a small percentage of the revenue money that we were bringing in for them. Hey, great business model, YouTube, uh, and, and it really is. It's working great for them. But then the problem is they've created this whole classification of people that are YouTube stars or a big chunk of the money they make is through this monetization over there. Now, the left was happy, like I said. As long as it's the folks on the right, yay, 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 go get them. Now, this wasn't enough for the Vox writer. He was very unhappy, and it was still giving major pushback. But now, now there's an even greater level of pushback and anger because guess who was the most recent to get caught up in this little bit of a oh, censorship witch hunt? Ah, uh, none other than your favorite and mine, the Southern Poverty Law Center. I think my stuff is actually starting to work now. So the folks at the Southern Poverty Law Center had one of their videos become demonetized. Demonetized. I'm just making up words now. Uh, <laughs> demonetized because it, it was a video that uh, was – Talking about uh, Holocaust denialism that was being put forth by journalist Max Blumenthal, and Max, of course, uh, lashed out at it when it was pulled down because YouTube announced plans uh, to remove uh, these videos and the content that promote white supremacy, and this was one of the videos that got uh, pulled up at it. Now, as I said, most of us know the Southern Poverty Center is the organization that's primarily known for going around and calling other people hate groups. Oh, you're talking about Islam. You're telling the little truth. You're a hate group. Oh, you're 
you're uh, preaching family values, traditional family values, but you're against gays. You're a hate group. That's not really uh, accurate, but it is what's been happening. Uh, now, Blumenthal uh, tweeted out, uh, quote, in YouTube's political purge, my video report on the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center exposing Holocaust revisionist David Irving as a fascist and a fraud historian was removed. This purge has already gone well beyond its stated aim. It is carpet bombing style censorship. And guess what? It is. Now, YouTube used this new policy to demonetize conservative commentator Stephen Crowder, like I mentioned, citing several inflammatory statements that he directed at Vox writer Carlos Maza. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think of Carlos's name, but now, there it is. Now that it's right back in front of me again. Now, uh, the director of the Southern Poverty Law Center's Intelligence Project mirrored much of Blumenthal's concerns. Uh, saying that YouTube needs to weed out bad actors from those who are trying to call out racism and white supremacy, and she blamed a sloppy algorithm for the problem. Companies that make billions of dollars a year can certainly figure out a way to fix this. Uh, this according to uh, Ms. Burnish uh, talking to the Los Angeles Times. Hopefully they don't get caught up in this purge, but you can see how they might. If you have a ham-handed process, other activists and liberal journalists expressed their opinions as well. Uh, lots of folks really got upset, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't have any sympathy here, and I'll tell you why, especially since I only have a few minutes left. I really did plan on giving a little more time to this topic, so I apologize for not being able to get to it sooner, the, the BTR gods being what they are, but uh, here's the deal. You, me, Annie, Kel, Don, uh, Ken, we've all been warning these folks for a long time. It's like, be careful what you ask for. When you're out here screaming for censorship, when you're out here demanding that the, the voices be silenced that don't agree with you, it's only a matter of time before the policies that you're demanding turn around to bite you on the backside. It's only a matter of time before you become a victim of the things that you're asking for. That's what happened here. The Southern Poverty Law Center probably deserves to be uh, yanked down sooner than most of the folks that they call out as hate groups. That doesn't mean that occasionally they don't get it right. That doesn't mean that occasionally they don't find actual white supremacists, actual Holocaust deniers. doesn't mean that they don't – the bottom line here is like I said before. If you've got an old school analog clock, then this meaning is going to – the saying is going to mean something to you. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. That's where they're at in my mindset, and unfortunately, I still need to up my game because I have not yet been listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, some folks that Kells worked with have been. She's well aware of it, but uh, yeah, this is, this is where the new policy is, and this is yet another attempt intentionally, I think, by these tech giants hoping that the government gets involved because they want to push their leftist – ideology wherever they can, but they don't want to be held accountable by their customer base 
for when they do it. They would love to have the cover of the government to hide behind. So watch for more. Expect this. Now, I'm going to applaud it as being uh, at least – it looks like even distribution. But I'm still going to call it ham-handed, heavy-handed, and fascist. Uh, it's their business. They can screw it up if they want to, but ultimately – we're just going to find other platforms. And hey, by the way, BTR, that might not be a message that you should ignore either. All right, that's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. So sorry about all the tech issues. Certainly hoping to get things straightened out soon, and hopefully the audio will get processed so the fine folks listening on the radio stations can hear it. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for me tonight. Everybody, see you soon.
is using both hands. 